You're listening to the Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 115 pH Factor Between Dog and Wolf. Yes, 2020, and we're going to be wolf-like, more than dog-like. I'm um, already more wolf-like. Oh, are you now? As you lick your lips like... <laughs> 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 well, let me just explain how this theme happened today. Mm-hmm. We were talking about what we should do, what we should talk about today. I was sitting in my office, and I looked over at the wall, and I've got this painting on the wall. It's a triptych by a painter from Toronto whose name is Richard Mongia. He's a very good painter. And the painting looks like this. On the left panel is a pair of hands that holds a picture of a woman and two children. On the far right panel is two hands holding a picture of some Roman ruins. And in the middle is a figure of some male shoes and a bit of leg walking across a tightrope. That's the painting, and it's called Entre Chien et Loup which means literally between dog and wolf. So the theme that we're going to attack today is between dog and wolf. And I thought the tightrope in the picture was a perfect representation of the balance between the two. Yeah, which can be easily broken with a misstep. Mm -hmm. So you may have this beautiful domestic life, like a dog, domestic, that could be broken with a misstep, and suddenly you're at odds, it's chaotic, you're kind of into the world of wolves, if you like, right? Well, basically what we're talking about is domestic versus primal. Yeah, essentially. Mm. And as you've mentioned before, there are certain parts of the world that are more wolf-like in the sense of the, the danger you have to negotiate in the environment and how smart you have to be and how primal and intuitive. Whereas in the West, if you're just a good boy, You'll get along just fine. Well, we're also much more protected. We have institutions, we have hospitals, we have all kinds of things that have kind of cushioned us against uh, raw nature. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, we've put our trust in these institutions. We don't do it ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. We trust other people to do it for us. Much um, like a dog with an owner. He, dog, he, he waits for his food, yeah. whereas a wolf has to go out and get it. Dog is dependent upon the owner and is loyal to the owner, too, mm-hmm. because of that. That's the, the nature of domestication, is to build a certain kind of loyalty and connection between the animal and the human. Right. And wolves, you can't domesticate a wolf. It's very difficult to do that. Their loyalty belongs to the pack. Yeah, that's right. So wolves are very interesting in and of themselves. Our typical image of the wolf is the moon, the full moon. The howling and the wolf. wolf. Howling at the moon. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, they're not howling at the moon. They're communicating to other members of the pack. Right. Where they are, where the food sources are, the range and the territory. Mm-hmm. They're not howling at the moon. We have that image of the silhouette. Constantly. Which is used in movies and books. Everywhere you look, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a mistaken thing. They're not howling at the moon at all. Right. right? So they're cleverly communicating with the rest of the pack. The other interesting thing about the wolf, I mean, there's lots of things that they do. It's interesting. But 
that picture we have of them in Hollywood, in children's stories, The Big Bad Wolf. Yes. But grandmother, what big ears you have, said Little Red Riding Hood as she edged closer to the bed. The better to hear you with, my dear, replied the wolf. But grandmother, what big eyes you have, said Little Red Riding Hood. The better to see you with, my dear, replied the wolf. But grandmother, what big teeth you have, said Little Red Riding Hood, her voice quivering slightly. The better to eat you with, my dear, roared the wolf. And he leapt out of the bed and began to chase the little girl. Right. Right. So where does this big bad wolf image come from? Well, we've got to go back all the way to the days of the Romans. Right. Now, Rome, according, Romulus. To, according to legend, pagan Rome was founded by Romulus and Remus, mm-hmm. Remus having been raised by wolves. So the wolf is intimately connected to paganism and ancient Rome. And who should pop up in ancient Rome but uh, Jesus, Jesus. That's right. Right? Who is the shepherd. tends the sheep and protects them from the, wolves. the big bad wolf. Yeah. So Christianity turns the wolf into a kind of gangster. <laughs> yeah. Where, in fact, the indigenous people revere the wolf. Yep. Yes. The wolf in native tradition stands for loyalty and mm-hmm. courage. Strength. And strength. Intelligence. Uh, accompanies you on your journey, helps to guide your path. Mm-hmm. And the wolf is a spirit guide for different uh, tribes, etc. in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, related to the coyote as the trickster animal. You know, the wolf isn't exactly the trickster, but there's a relationship there. It's the cunning aspect. Yeah. But the cunning of the wolf is not to be a smart ass. It's survival. Yeah, exactly. So our relationship to the wolf as human beings is really interesting and compared to our relationship to dogs. They say, uh, you know, we treated him like a dog. Mm Mm-hmm implies abuse. You wouldn't find that in the wolf kingdom, right? The wolves are exempt from that in a way, except that we've abused wolves by taking their habitat away. Right, exactly. And then we're reduced to reintroducing the wolf population to like Yellowstone Park, for example, right? right? And the wolves are known as a keystone species in the way they're critical to how an ecosystem depends right. upon the hierarchy. Them. Yeah, you take the wolves out of the picture, the ecosystem can collapse mm-hmm. as the a result. The food chain, mm-hmm. specifically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here we are as human beings, more on the dog side, it seems. I think so, but right? there are exceptions. There's a few wolves around too. Yeah. So, you know, we think about uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, yes. that film with Leo DiCaprio. He's playing Jordan Belfort. This, uh, financier. Again, being depicted in that kind of religious manner that you described. Well, <laughs> as a hungry, as yeah. a kind of a shark, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tearing at the world in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, these depictions of wolves are really interesting. Well, quite the opposite of the way I see a wolf. Mm. As? I love wolves. I yeah. think they're gracious, beautiful animals. Even their physical structure and the way they're designed for endurance and their ability to run down prey for miles and the way they work together. They can swim, apparently like Mm -hmm. eight miles at a pace, working with a bit of the webbing between their paws. They can Mm -hmm. swim like Mm -hmm. crazy. Well, dogs are descendants of wolves, Mm -hmm. but very few dogs actually resemble them. Typically, it would be your German shepherds, your Siberian uh, huskies and so on. Yeah. Uh, And huskies are known for their endurance, speed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and tirelessness, which are all qualities associated with a wolf. Right. And we think about wolves, wolf packs as having alpha males and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, but they don't really, it's just their parents. They pair, male and female wolves pair yes. 
that connection is stronger than many, many human connections. But having said that, we have in our expression, uh, oh, the guy was a wolf. Yeah, the wolf whistle. We've painted them as kind of sexual predators. The question is, are we too dog-like? Have we become so domesticated, so tame, mm -hmm. these politicians who like dogs are attached to a bone called their ideology mm -hmm. and won't let go. An ideology that extends to all the institutions that they belong to as well, right? And is destroying the planet as we speak. Right. I typically would think of Western culture as more dog-like in the sense of we have greater comfort. We're more dependent. Mm -hmm. We're not left to our own kind of devices as much as perhaps a third world country or a country that is still living at a more primal level. Yeah, or the indigenous populations. You know, right. we, that was that great film with Kevin Costner. Dances with Wolves. Yeah, where the Civil War soldier falls in love, in a sense, with uh, indigenous culture, gets taken in and learns their ways, and that sort of thing becomes kind of wolf-like in a way. That's the name they give him. Right? Dances, Dances with, with wolves. wolves. Yeah. So there are ways of connecting to that spirit, even if you come from a dog-like culture. So we really begin as a wolf. Yeah. Very primal. Mm -hmm. A baby brought into the world is more wolf-like than dog-like. Yeah, sure. We become dog-like, much the way the dog transformed through thousands tens of, of thousands of years. Yeah, evolution. Transforming from wolf to dog, mm -hmm. the primary difference being the domesticated aspect. Yeah, right. Not left to his own resources anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, he mm -hmm. now depends on humans or structures whereby his food is being provided, mm -hmm. becomes softened to the ability to handle the elements. Yeah. We put little gloves and coats on our animals. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. <laughs> fur <Yeah>. over fur. <laughs> box, box. By the time his mother began leaving the cave on hunting expeditions, the cub had learned well the law that forbade his approaching the entrance. Not only had this law been forcibly and many times impressed on him by his mother's nose and paw, but in him the instinct of fear was developing. Never, in his brief cave life, had he encountered anything of which to be afraid. Yet fear was in him. It had come down to him from a remote ancestry, through a thousand thousand lives. It was a heritage he had received directly from One-Eye and the She-Wolf, but to them, in turn, it had been passed down through all the generations of wolves that had gone before. Fear! That legacy of the wild which no animal may escape nor exchange for pottage. Just as I contended right along, no mere dog could have done what he did. He's a wolf. Fox, Fox. We want to get closer to the wolf. And so some of the ways we do that, well, we, in Germany, we name our children Wolfgang. Wolfgang. Which means the way of the wolf or the path of the wolf, right? <laughs> well, we do associate strength. Um, yes. Despite, as you said, the mm -hmm. religious connotations and so on, to try to transpose this figure into something kind of evil-like. Mm -hmm. We still admire it. In, we still in, admire right? it. Well, a lot of the teams, uh, sports teams, uh, Timberwolves, you know, sure. Wolverines, yeah. there's this, always this element of strength. Hitler mm -hmm. identified with the wolf big time as an animal of strength and bravery. and that His sort own of dog thing. was a German shepherd. Yeah, I think he called himself Wolf, the, the right. wolf. 
as well. Wolf's Lair. Wolf's Lair. Yeah, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The other way we have kind of tried to integrate ourselves with the wolf is the creation of this mythical creature called the werewolf. Mm -hmm. Back in the 50s, 60s, the werewolf as a figure in cinemas, in horror films was big, big, big. Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney Jr. especially, uh, who played the werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then Warren Zevon, we're wolves of London. Uh, woo, right? <laughs> and, and, he, <laughs> and then that big one, American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, right. A more modern version. Yes, that's right. So we've made attempts to kind of integrate our dog with the nature of the wolf. So we have to pull from, at any time, the dog side of ourselves or the wolf side of ourselves. And to know when to do that is a real trick because if you pull from the wolf side of yourself, there's a possibility that the structure that the dog side sits on will start to disintegrate. Mm -hmm. You could lose a relationship. You could lose friendships. If you get more wolf-like in the way you handle reality, in the way you face into it. And yet sometimes wolf-like is required for survival and to get to the next step. Mm -hmm. For example, give me an example of that. What's happening in the world right now, as an example? You mentioned uh, the wolf-like behavior separating from what we normally see as a domesticated situation, whereby nothing really changes that much because it's all interdependent and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you need that kind of wolf-like approach right. to begin a change, to take that leadership position, to take the role of... If you identify, as we did in the beginning, with the spiritual qualities, well, spiritual qualities are required now more than ever. Yeah. Because the non-spiritual isn't working very well. Mm-hmm. We need to elevate ourselves to another level to kind of unite our thinking. Right. And spirituality is probably the way to go. And by that, I don't mean religiosity. I mean looking to self yes. more, which the wolf does. The wolf doesn't rely on anyone supplying it with food or any of the basic needs, it goes out and determines what it needs and acts accordingly. Mm -hmm. I've always admired the wolf. I've never seen it as Mm demon-like. Apparently, compared to other animals, they have a great range of facial expressions. Yes. Which really kind of sets them towards more human-like, because humans have huge variety of facial expressions. And one of the greatest human-like qualities that they have, Mm -hmm. they learn very quickly whereas dogs don't. Uh-huh. And it's been proven through many, many tests. When faced with certain conditions, yep. they respond immediately. Right, right. Yeah. It's the survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Again, the primal. And our brains are very primal. I think that's one of the uh, greatest challenges that we have as human beings, not just in our day-to-day lives, but in the way we think, yep. in dealing with our specific needs or instincts versus what society expects. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that uh, we have in our daily lives, from our sexuality to our fitting in. Mm-hmm. In peoples of the ancient world, they uh, saw the wolf in so many different ways as medicinal creatures. Mm-hmm. The ancient Aztecs, listen to this, used wolf liver as an ingredient for treating melancholy. Oh. They also would prick a patient's breast with a sharpened wolf bone in an attempt to delay death. In the Middle Ages, Europeans used powdered wolf liver to ease the pain of childbirth. And then they would tie a wolf's right front paw around a sore throat to reduce the swelling. Mm -hmm. Dried wolf meat was also eaten as a remedy for sore shins. 
The Greeks believed that if someone ate meat from a wolf-killed lamb, he or she ran a high risk of becoming a vampire. <laughs> so generally speaking, these are all associated with very positive, strong, or yeah. strength-associated right. factors. Yeah. The components that make up a wolf mm-hmm. beyond the wolf itself yeah. are actually beneficial. Right. Now, we shouldn't just weight it in the direction of the wolf. There are very good qualities of the dog, the yes. domesticated dog. Yes. I mean, shepherds use them to herd sheep, for example. They're used as guide dogs for blind people. Absolutely. You won't find a wolf doing that. They're used as medicinal animals in hospitals. Yes. For caring with people who are in palliative care or what have you, mm-hmm. right? Dogs are, in their own way, domesticated dogs are amazing and wonderful creatures. Also loyal. And very, very loyal. I mean, mm-hmm. that maybe that is the one aspect of domesticity which sets them apart mm-hmm. from other animals. Yeah. The comparison of dog and wolf to me is more in terms of what the dog's role versus the wolf's role. The wolf requires its own actions. A yeah. dog is mm-hmm. more based on an existing system that supports mm-hmm. or supplements or enhances that yeah. type of existence. Right, right? yeah. So, I mean, either way, it would be great to ask ourselves, Mm. where on that tightrope am I walking right now? Where am I? Am I on the wolf side or am I on the dog side? I see myself more as wolf-like than dog-like. Do you now? Yep, I do. How so? Wolf-like in the sense of I tend to um, think more independently. You're a lone wolf, as they say. I don't know if I'm a lone wolf. I think I'm one of those uh, wolves that's trying to uh, walk both sides of that tightrope. There's a lot of dog-like qualities involved as well in terms of cooperation, in terms of uh, the caring. There's also strength in that side. But I think in the world we live today, Mm -hmm. I kind of consider dog-like as more Uh, sheep-like. And so uh, that's not going to move the needle when confronted with situations that have to be changed. Right, yeah. I would say I'm more dog-like in my domestic life, my sort of normal day-to-day life, but in my writing, I've lately, lately especially, become a lot more wolf-like in the way I put words to page, in the way I think about communicating concepts and ideas and stories, in the way I've kind of I'm breaking story apart and sort of questioning the idea of story itself. And um, there I'm a wolf, especially. Yeah, because you see, when you first say wolf-like, there's almost kind of a hesitation in the sense that it's like some form of a boast. Yeah, Uh, yeah, sure. I'm not trying to uh, address it in that manner. I'm trying to address it more from wolf-like in that sometimes you need to think outside the box kind of thing. And I think the wolf... Mm-hmm. does that naturally. Yeah, because even, you know, we think about Happy Days, the fawns. That's right. It's kind of like the wolf in the, That's pa- right. in the pack, right? But even he is connected to his own sort of pattern and habits yes. of action. So he's yeah. as caught up in his own role as the others are in theirs. So he's mm-hmm. not really a wolf in that sense. Mm-hmm. Just, but, but he may not be as afraid yeah. to break convention. Right, right. That's the type of thinking that I'm describing here, not as some kind of superior being who doesn't respond to human interaction or Mm -hmm, pretends mm -hmm. that he's above it all. No, it's more of the independent streak Mm -hmm. uh, whereby when confronted with something, you're not afraid to gamble or afraid to take another direction. But listen to this. We talked about Adolf Hitler and his connection to the wolf. 
1934, Germany became the first nation in modern times to place the wolf under protection. Mm. It's ironic in a way, right? I'm reading it from a Wikipedia reference. Influenced by Friedrich Nietzsche's and Oswald Spengler's belief that natural predators possessed more vigor and virility than their prey, the protection was probably more for an iconic wolf than the actual wolf, particularly since the last wolves in Germany were killed in the middle of the 19th century. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, the Western world has really decimated the wolf populations wherever they go. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible, terrible shame. And it, it kind of paves the way for where we are now. Mm -hmm. That attitude towards the wolf mm -hmm. and what happened to it has put us in this place where we need to become more wolf-like. Right. Well, we've removed the natural balance that supplied us with that. That's right. We've taken away the habitat. We've taken away the context mm -hmm. for the wolf to actually flex its muscles when it's needed. Right. And it's become symbolic, a metaphor, actually, for the way we live. Exactly. So the question for us all is, where do you stand on that tightrope entre chien et loup? Between dog and and wolf. and wolf. And we should remind our listeners too, this being a new year. Yes. I mean, one of the things we really appreciate is feedback. Absolutely. Howl at the moon. Communicate with us. Yes. You know, be the wolf. And don't just listen. Talk back at us. Yes. You know, give us what for. Give us an idea what you think of the show. If you'd like to see some changes, whether there's something more that you'd like to see or less. Do you like the new logo? Let us know. Mm -hmm. On that note... Cheers to the new year. New year. Cheers. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Is that coffee good? Oh, that was so good. <laughs> ciao, Harry. Ciao. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.